diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. When I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Welcome everybody to Sky Watchers Radio on this beautiful February 7th of 2011. This is Jackal with Rick Osman joining you tonight. Rick, what's up buddy? Say hi to the crowd. Hi crowd! There we go. Hi crowd! That's kind of like what I wanted. Yeah, Yeah, I was going for some animated. That's good. That was good. I like that. It's nice and animated. Actually, I think that's the most animated I've seen you in months. True. <clears throat> Which I'm is kind of sad, laid but back person. yes, you are. Yes, you are. Speaking of laid back people, we're hoping to get uh, Jamie Havican and Dennis Crenshaw on the line with us uh, to join us. If not, it'll just be me and Rick winging it tonight here on Sky Watchers Radio. But I do want to welcome everybody onto the show here who's listening through Shotcast, listening out all over the internet. Of course, Talk Stream Live. Everybody over there doing a good job representing the crew of Skywatchers Radio. Thank you guys for uh, putting us up on there. And hopefully we're getting some numbers. I haven't really been checking the Skywatchers TalkStream Live account, but hopefully that's uh, producing some numbers tonight, and hopefully people are clicking on it. So uh, once again, thanks to them. We're going to be reading a little bit of news. Uh, last week, of course, we had Mr. Steve Bassett on here, who was phenomenal. Phenomenal, right? That's a good word for Steve yeah. Bassett, right, Rick? Yeah, yeah. I mean, He yeah, is a phenomenal good, guest. I would There's say. no doubt about that one. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I actually like the way we did it last week uh, compared to the couple last times we've had him on, because uh, we actually took turns asking questions. It wasn't just like all jumping on Steve saying, no, Steve, please answer my question. You know, it wasn't one of those. We actually all took our turn, and it was actually, a, I thought, a really good show. I thought one of the best shows that we've had with Mr. Bassett. So uh, thanks again, Steve, for being on here. We will have him back on pretty soon. Of course, he is our Washington insider here on Skywatchers Radio, so we like having him on very, very often. But tonight... We don't really have a guest, so we're going to be doing a little news items of the week. Uh, we're also going to be talking about some other important ufology-based stuff that's been coming up, uh, not only on the news, but stuff that's coming up for the near future. Plus, like I said, we might be joined by Jamie and Dennis. That's a maybe. We're not too sure about that yet. Uh, but we do have an announcement. We will be having a guest on next week. Nick Redfern is going to be here with us. What do you think about that, Rick? Nick Redfern on Skywatchers Radio. What? Kind of excited. Well, I think that's a pretty good deal because, you know, Nick's been an avid researcher as well as a prolific writer on all topics. Yes, he has. But, uh, his top, yep. his UFO coverage has been right up there with Nick Pope and some of the other British-based researchers and authors. 
but he's also gone out into other fields. Uh, he's gone into cryptozoology, and uh, I believe he's even covered a little bit of ghost hunting stuff there in the UK and yes, he has in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a good time, I think. I think so too. I like Nick. You know, we had him on on the Wow Factor a few months back, and a really, really pleasant guy. You know, great guy to talk to, and he a very knowledgeable guy about a lot of the subjects that we cover here. So it's going to be a lot of fun talking to him. And again, he's going to be on with us next week, right here on Skywatchers Radio. Now we're going to take a little commercial break here uh, and come back with some news so guys please stick around if you want to get in on the phone calls please do so we're going to have open lines the entire show anybody who's listening in who wants to share a story with us or he just wants to you know shoot the shit hey call us we're good for that too so 786-245-8127 is the number here on sky watchers radio so uh sit back relax and enjoy the music enjoy the uh, commercials that we're going to play now because we'll be right back on sky watchers brian once again to tell you about my latest cd of religious comedy bits word of boca all my smash hits made famous throughout the world or the well not exactly the world let's see parts of okeechobee down to parts of calendar like i was saying the most requested religious comedy bits ever to be heard all over your radio for too short a time you'll get such hits as and you'll get and this all-time boca classic they were speaking in tongues Yes, it's Word of Boca, about 30 all-time certified aluminum religious hits by Boca Brian, who sits on the middle finger of God while singing about men of the moist cloth. That's Word of Boca, available now at all Peaches, Records, and, uh, I mean, at Order Yours today by clicking on the album cover on SoBlowRadio.com. There comes a time in a young woman's life when she has to ask questions. Mom, I have to ask you a personal question. Do you douche? Sure I do. I use vinegar and water. Why vinegar and water? Because, silly, I'm Italian. Hidden Valley Douche. In Italian, French, ranch, or new chunky blue cheese. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. The UFOstore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. The UFOstore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Mental disorders are common in the United States and internationally. An estimate 26.2% of Americans ages 18 and older suffer from some sort of mental illness. Now this figure translates to 57.7 million people who suffer from some sort of mental breakdown. If you find yourself laying in bed on a Saturday or Sunday night hearing voices while you're trying to sleep, well it might not be that demonic being from another dimension trying to kill you where you sleep might just be your mental illness starting to kick in. So if you're out of meds for the night, then I have just the thing. Come listen to my show, The Jackal's Head, on the Soup Media Network. You can check out our Listen Live page only on www.psn-radio.com. See you there. This ad has been paid for by The Jackal's Head and the War on Terror. War. It's fantastic. 
Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Adventures in time and space transcribed in future tense. The powwow. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one. Disorder never sounded so good. From the far horizons of the unknown come tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could be years on a thousand maybe worlds. Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine presents... The Powwow. Weekends at 12. Only on SoFloRadio.com. Right now, here we go. All right, everybody, welcome and back to Skywatchers Radio. Skywatchers Radio, yes, here on PSN Radio. part of the Soup Media Network. Yes, it is. Again, You're callers, good. if you want to get on in, 786 245 8127 is the call in number. Please call in, be part of the show, interact with us. You know, Rick, we don't get enough callers on Skywatchers Radio, and it's a damn shame because this is a great show, and we really need to start getting people to support it by calling in. So we want to hear what you guys have to say. We want to hear your stories. If anybody out there has a story that's UFO-related, if you've been abducted by aliens and anally probed, I want to hear about it. Even if you haven't been anally probed, I want to hear about it. You know, anybody who has anything to share or contribute to tonight's show, please do so. The number again is 786-245-8127. I can't stress that enough. This show is here to have participation, people, so please participate. Now, we do have a few stories that we want to get over here. I have a a couple that I want to read, and Rick has a couple he wants to get on. Uh, One of them has to do with classified docs revealed to the UK that tried to stop uh, worldwide UFO investigation. This is a very, very interesting story. Also, alien life claim... Ignites scientific debate. Another very interesting. This is coming out from CBS uh, News, by the way. Yeah, that that's the one I called dibs on. Remember? 
Okay, yeah, you could, uh, yeah, I remember. You, you could have that one. Uh, another good one here is UFO sighted at Western Park. By the way, it's a long read, so <clears throat> you could have that one. Uh, UFO sighted oh, okay. at Western Park. That's a good one. And uh, UFO cover-up also. And uh, I have a little audio that I'm going to play in a little in a little while of uh, our good friend Lloyd Pye. Uh, that has to do with the Star Child Skull. Of course, there is some DNA results that have come in already. And I really wanted to share this uh, audio bit with you guys about what's going on with the Star Child Skull. Because uh, that's going to blow the roof off of this whole thing, I think. Once we reveal and uh, you know acknowledge the fact that this being, whatever it was, was not human that's going to change the game so that's going to be an interesting yeah. little uh clip i'm going to play later uh but rick you know you did call dibs on that one news item so let's stop teasing the audience here why don't you uh go ahead and give them that item because it is a, a very very interesting story alien life claim ignites scientific debate hit us up with that one all righty well i don't know if debate is the right word because skepticism uh derision all those words are entering into it as well, mostly because yes. this guy, uh, the scientist, his name is Richard Hoover, and he works at the at NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville, Alabama, a place I've visited a couple of times. And he claims Very that nice he place, has found fossils that looks like the remnants of bacteria in at least two meteorites. His research mm -hmm. paper, published online Friday in the Journal of Cosmology, concludes these must have come from outer space. Well, duh, they're meteorites. But his claim has been roundly disputed right. by other scientists. And here's a quote. There has been no one in the scientific community, certainly no one in the meteorite analysis community, that has supported these conclusions, says NASA Astrobiology Institute Director Carl Pilcher, as he told the Associated Press Monday. The simplest explanation for Mr. Hoover's measurements is that he's measuring microbes from Earth, their contamination, unquote. Right. Uh, in the paper that he wrote, Hoover states that chemical analysis makes it unlikely to be contamination. Instead, he wrote, they are, quote, indigenous fossils, unquote, from outer space rather than something found on Earth. Scientists inside and outside the space agency have criticized and even ridiculed Hoover's study his credentials, and the journal itself. Wow, that's, that's really good gameplay. They say that Hoover wow. works in solar physics and doesn't have expertise in astrobiology. Hoover and the editor of the journal have not responded to emails and phone messages from the Associated Press. In a statement on the journal's website, editor-in-chief Rudy Shield of Harvard University called Hoover, quote, a highly respected scientist and astrobiologist with a prestigious record of accomplishments at NASA, unquote. On Monday, NASA issued a statement by Paul Hertz, chief scientist in the science division, questioning the validity of claims that have, got, that have not gone through peer review. NASA said Hoover failed to advise the agency that he had submitted the paper to the Journal of Cosmology after it failed to get published in a more established peer-reviewed journal. NASA cannot stand behind or support a scientific claim unless it has been peer-reviewed or thoroughly examined by other qualified experts, Hertz said in a statement. This paper was submitted in 2007 to the International Journal of Astrobiology. However, the peer review process was not completed for that submission. The Journal of Cosmology 
bills itself as peer-reviewed. In his note, Shield wrote that he has asked 100 experts and over 500 scientists from the scientific community to review the paper with their commentary to be posted online after the paper was released. Typically, scientific journals obtain peer review before deciding whether to publish new research. The paper's findings were first made public by Fox News. Pilcher said the Cosmology Journal, quote, has published papers in which the authors assert that life could not possibly have started on Earth and must have started in interstellar space some 10 million years ago, he said. That theory is not one held by a majority of mainstream scientists, he said. Similar claims about life in a meteorite found in Antarctica were made by other NASA scientists in 1996 and announced by President Bill Clinton on the White House lawn. But they were not backed up by fellow journalists, I'm sorry, by, by follow-up research and remain in dispute. Back then, NASA trumped the finding, but not so this time. NASA astrobiologist David Morrison said Hoover's work falls far short of good science. If Hoover wants to be taken seriously by the community of astrobiologists, he needs to publish this in a real journal and to respond to the criticisms from other scientists, Morrison said in an email and on a NASA website. That is the way science advances. Now, several years ago, in fact, in 1996, at this uh, just a month or so after Bill Clinton stood on the White House lawn and trumpeted that particular finding, I happened to meet up with one of the scientists who worked on the project in 96. And he was pretty thoroughly convinced that their findings were accurate. Now, he was not at the core or at the head of that team, but he was a part right. of that team. And he was uh, quite adamant that it was a real result. So now, my know, question I, is, how, how exactly do they go about these tests? I mean, how can they uh, determine that it is from outer space and that this is definitely indigenous to this meteorite? What kind of testing do they do on these things? Well, it, uh, they do all kinds of testing. They take um, what they call electron, electron micrographs, meaning they shave off an ultra-thin right. piece of this thing and put it under an electron microscope. So the... Basically, they end up with very, very detailed pictures of very, very small things. In this case, the fossil, as Hoover calls it, um, certainly looks like a, a relative, not exactly like, but a relative of some earthly bacteria, including the, mm. what, the, what they call flagella, or the, the propelling parts of a bacterium. Uh, and it's there. I mean, it's, it's 50, 60 microns long. And it that's 50 or 60 millionths of a meter long. That's pretty small, but nevertheless. Very. And um, bacteria sized. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's consistent with with bacteria as far as its appearance. Well, and yeah. According, I haven't read the paper in detail, but according to him, the chemical analysis does not render uh -huh. any organic material. Therefore, it would not be you know, a recent addition to the meteorite. Well, you know, it's funny but because this just a, adds to the theory of panspermia, uh, that meteorites are coming yeah. to planets, hitting them, and they have bacteria on it that eventually develops life. Yeah. That's really what and this is supporting, kind of the, if it's accurate. 
Well, panspermia is a, a very plausible explanation for how life began on Earth. It is not widely Definitely. accepted, of course. Oh, no, it was some kind Obviously of organic not. soup and a lightning bolt. Okay. <laughs> Duplicate it. Yeah, show me. That's my theory. Exactly. That's my position. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, anyway, I'm, I'm it, more no. leaning towards uh, being a, a strong supporter of, of the panspermia theory. It just It's a logical explanation. And every time we find these meteor rocks, I mean, we found one from Mars not long ago that had bacteria inside of it. And it was a rock that got here from Mars how many well, that, thousands of years ago. Well, I'll tell you exactly. Well, I can't tell you exactly. They estimated the age of that meteorite as a meteorite being on Earth in Antarctica for 13,000 years. And that wow. was the one that they examined in 96. Now, my question is, how do you know it came from Mars? It's not a matter of, is it a meteorite? That's, That's a good question. To tell. Yes. But, yeah, how do you know it came from Mars? And nobody could ever adequately answer that question to my satisfaction. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't honestly heard a, a, a satisfactory answer to that. And that is the question that I had initially was, well, how do you know it's from Mars? I mean, this could be from anywhere. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what was the last time you saw planets just dropping off pieces of, of rocks? Spitting them out. <laughs> spitting out a piece of rock. That doesn't happen. For something like that to happen, there has to be like some kind of explosion on the planet. Yeah, you have to be hit by something or some kind of crazy explosion. Yeah, right. And when was the last time that we know of Mars being hit by an asteroid? Yesterday. And Mars. Oh, maybe Mars is pretty far out there. But it is, and it would take you know some. It's pretty far out there. Go from Mars to Earth, but of course that's the way the gravity flows, the sun's gravity. But apparently, yeah. Interesting anyway, story, nonetheless. Are, yeah, yeah, it is. But the most interesting part is, if they can't attack the data, they attack the person that delivered it, and if they aren't successful with that, they attack the journal it was in. It's like, okay, where's Stanton Friedman and his list? Because that's that's exactly <laughs> what I see. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. It, it, it's textbook at this point. They can't attack the data, so they attack the individual. Right. It's it's becoming textbook. Yeah, and uh, you know, good science, bad science doesn't matter. Address the issue, not the message. Exactly. Here's a here's a funny story here. A classified documents reveal that UK tried to stop a worldwide UFO investigation. Did you hear read this story yet, Rick? Uh, no? no, I read that they'd released a whole no? bunch of documents, but I didn't read it in detail. Well, check this out. It says when Britain released 8,500 pages, that's 8,500 pages of previously classified UFO files last week, one set of Key documents quickly caught my attention, as the writer here put, uh, and had a profound effect on me as it took me back in time, about 33 years. The file includes many pages detailing the British government's attempt in 1978 to derail the country's uh, see the country of Grenada's plan to convince the United Nations to form a special UFO study committee. 
the reason these documents were res resonated so strongly with me is because I'm one of the, I'm one of the ones who produced the Grenada's UFO presentation in the UN all those years ago. Now this is written by Lee Spiegel. And he writes for AOL News. Now, he also went on to say here, he says, At the time, Grenada's Prime Minister, Sir Eric Gary, was trying to generate a UN interest in the UFO committee idea. Uh, many members of the nation weren't paying a lot of attention to him. But meantime, after producing the documents, records of albums for CBS, uh, they called the UFO, it was called the UFO's Credibility Factor. He says, I wanted to take... I wanted to actually take the early notion of the UFO disclosure to the UN at that time. So I met and made a deal with Gary under which his country would sponsor in, in actually a credible presentation at the UN uh, that I would produce to include astro astronomers, astronauts, and a bunch of people from the UFO uh, committee, UFO consultants uh, to the Air Force as well, as well as J. Allen Hynek, uh, French uh, astrophysicist uh, Jacques Vallée, you know, these are these are pretty well known people that are supposed to be there. Nuclear physicist Staten Friedman, speaking of Staten Friedman, and Army Lieutenant Larry Cohen were all going to be related into this story of the night. And uh, he and his helicopter crew had a terrifying close encounter with a UFO on that night. Now, he says, little did I know until last week that while I spent 1978 preparing for the UN, uh, event, the British government was essentially trying to stop the creation of the commission I was hoping to bring to life. In 1978, the document was just released in British National Archives addressing the United Kingdom's desire to oppose UFO committee out of fear that it would ultimately cause the UN to fall into some sort of uh, dispute, over, I guess, over the uh, subject. The British delegation does not think that establishment of an agency for research into identified flying objects is appropriate uh, as a function of the United Nations. And he goes on to say, hopefully a confrontation with the representatives of Grenada can be avoided, but the UK should not hesitate to make any views known as, uh, you know, as what is appropriate. Foreign and, co and Commonwealth Office Minister expressed the views to set up any such body which would reduce the credibility of the UN, according to UK uh, delegations, uh, which was instructed to oppose the uh, the whole UFO um, thing, pretty much. And then it says, I wonder why Britain suggested that the International Commission to Study UFOs would reduce the credibility of the UN when the question in mind was, and I called Nick Pope in London for the, for three of 21 years he worked with the Ministry of Defense. He was the chief British government. And actually, Rick, I had uh, Nick Pope on the show. Uh, have you guys had him on, uh, on, uh, on your show, Unraveling the Secrets, yet or not? Ah, okay, yeah, Rick uh, lost his audio here for a second. We're going to have him back on. Well, anyway, uh, continuing on here, uh, I'll get that answer from him later. But uh, it says here, I think that that was a very clever piece of PR move because they were really uh, doing well and was trying to scare the U.N. itself to say, the U.N., you know this might rebound you, Pope told AOL News. Uh, and I quote here, it says, well, actually, there was no evidence that there was a case. In fact, people who, after all, the U.N. is supposed to represent, aren't they? Uh, and are incredibly interested and always have been in this this subject. So it is a complete fabrication and very clever piece of uh, brinksmanship to sort of scare the UN into thinking that setting up a commission would damage their reputation. But actually the opposite would have been the case. The people would have said, this is great, this is exactly what we want, we're interested in this. 
says Nick Pope. Pope hadn't yet started his career in the Ministry of Defense or MOD when he was involved in Grenada and the UFO event in, uh, with the UN, but he is quite familiar with the documents he speculates that the MOD and the Foreign Commonwealth Office conspired to lobby both publicly and privately to kill the UFO proposal back at the UN. Now, I've had Nick on my show. Uh, Rick, I was just asking you here when you went off air for a second. Uh, you know, I've had Nick on the show, Nick Pope. You've had, have you ever guys ever had him on Unraveling the Secrets? Have you talked to Nick Pope at all? No, we haven't. I've, we have not, and that's a failure on our part, actually. It is. Look, there's there's one dude out there that I really respect when it comes to like telling the truth and just being real about stuff. Uh, Nick Pope is one of those dudes. He, you know, he's just he tells you the facts as to what he studied. He doesn't like make up, you know, BS rumors or doesn't go on word of, of mouth or anything like that. He just tells you what the facts are. Uh, you know, I, he's a very credible individual and he was part of this, uh, proposition to the UN back in the seventies. And it was amazing. They tried to block this proposition of the UN. So basically they were trying to block the whole UFO agenda from even coming up, uh, which is bananas to think this happened in 1978. And here we are in 2011 and we're kind of in the same place, meaning it, it worked apparently. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's been working. It's for, worked, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, been working a lot longer than that. It's just that it didn't get the press that it needed uh, until, you know, basically the last 10 years or so, people are saying, hey, what's up? We know you have documents. We've even seen a few of them because <laughs> some people leaked them. Yep. Well, you know, the, and, the crazy uh, thing about to, this, the, the, the crazy thing about this, though, Rick, think about this for a second. Uh, you know, this is coming out as part of the official documents that, that are coming out of the U.K. So they're telling us basically that, yeah, we conspired to cover up the UFO agenda. They're basically coming out with it. They're, yeah. they're, isn't this uh, isn't this pretty much disclosure? I mean, th uh, this is well, as close to, very, to a disclosure as you're going to get, I think. But think about it. They're telling you well, straight yeah, up, sadly, yeah, you know, we, right. we lied to the public. That's basically what they're saying here. The U.K. Uh, conspired with the United Nations uh, to keep the UFO topic under wraps you know they just did not want this out in the public uh it says here while you had some big hitters i think you were fighting against a dead hand in inertia the powers that be said pope uh clearly behind closed doors conversations had taken place that it had been made clear that this must not happen and it's interesting though the speculation only to wonder whether some of the actions that the british uh took led uh to either directly or indirectly to the, his ousting uh, this is a gentleman who was in charge before. Uh, says, ever since the series of events that led me to the United Nations in 1978, I've never doubted that we that we did there. What we did there was important. Says astrophysicist Valet, who was uh, served as the model for the French scientist uh, uh, portrayed actually uh, by Franz, uh, Francois Truffman in the 1977 classic *Close Encounters of the Third Kind*. He was actually represented in that yeah. movie. Kind of wonder why he was represented in that movie, don't you think? Maybe because some of the yeah, stuff you saw in that movie really happened. It really happened. Now, well, in a you way, might have it was... to ask Steven Spielberg why that was the case. But anyway, yeah. And well, you know that we've been Steven talking about Spielberg. this. Yeah, we've talked about this before. You know that they've gone to these Hollywood guys and they've to you know make movies about the subject. I wouldn't doubt Steven Spielberg knows what's really going on. Yeah, 
Well, he, he probably knows more than the general public, but nevertheless, even he's not being real forthcoming. He's hiding it in in make-believe movies, you know, Cowboys and Aliens. Right. Uh, now, which, check, check the, well, okay. I want to see that, by How the did way. he come up with that premise, you know? Did somebody <laughs> out in, the, in Tombstone have a sighting that nobody reported, or what's up with that? Well, I'm pretty sure aliens were visiting Earth in the 1800s. Is that, is there a <laughs> story buried in there about lights in the sky and little little guys walk around in the desert? You know what? I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, this goes to read. It says, after more than 30 years, people are still talking about it. It may have taken the latest uh, release of UFO files to bring it back into the spotlight, but nobody can rewrite the past. Pope said about the events that happened in 1978. This actually happened in today's discovery that the dead uh, hand of the bureaucracy was conspiring against you perhaps enables you to say, hey, we hold and have always held the moral high ground here. Because when you uh, went in well-intentioned, believing that, uh, that there was an issue that needed to be addressed, and I agreed with you, and it's only now, 30 years later, that you find the deck that was rigged. If that makes any sense to anybody out there who's uh, listening in. Uh, well, even though Pope was still a teenager back then, we both laughed as he now offered me an unofficial apology. Remember, Pope was a member of the MOD, and basically uh, he was in on the whole thing. You know, they had he was part of the cover-up, kind of. You know, he had to go along with it. Uh, he says here, I had no direct involvement in this, but on a personal level, I'm sorry that the government did that, said Nick Pope. But, of course, he kept up the secret for years until this finally came out, even though he had no direct contact with the event because he was a teenager when this happened. But uh says, uh, thanks, right. Nick, at the end of the, uh, the uh, post here, says, thanks, Nick, I'm not one who, to hold a grudge. I'm just happy to, to have been part of it all, at all, to be a part of that whole uh, mess. But, uh, again, uh, Nick Pope, at least he's coming out, and, you know, you can hear him talking about this, that, yes, they did yeah. cover this up. It's amazing. Yeah, they did. And and even though Nick Pope wasn't part of the cover-up, he is still bound by um, secrets, the Secrets Act. I, I think that's what they call it in the U.K. The Official Secrets Act or State Secrets Act, I forget, the Official Secrets Act. And I'm confident that anything that was released in the 8,500 pages he'll, that he knew about, he would be willing to discuss. But I'm also confident completely confident that there are other matters that are not in those 8,500 pages that he still cannot talk right. about without fear of imprisonment. Oh, of course not. Or worse. Of course. Yeah, but you got to understand, he was an MOD agent for a very long time, and, uh, you know, he, ser he served his country. He, he was a man who served his country, and when you serve your country, you know, you have to sign a little piece of paper saying, hey, I'm not going to talk about the secrets. It's kind of like, you know, yeah. it's an unwritten rule, because if not, you will go to prison. That's that's in every country. So, you know, I, I can't look down on him for keeping secrets, but I like the fact that he's come forward now and saying, yeah, you know, this is true. You know, basically, it is it is what it is. It's already out in the public, so he could talk about it. But, yeah, I'm sure Nick Pope knows a lot more than he leads on. I'm pretty sure. He has to. <laughs> yeah, me too. The man has to. What's, uh, what's dis what is distressing to me is that they even keep those secrets. I mean, th this is a 
truly world-shaking topic. If, if any of it is real, which apparently quite a bit of it is real, um, you know, in 8,500 pages, of 8,500 or so reports, 5% are listed as unable to resolve. Right. You know, unexplainable. Now, if you take 5% of 8,500, well, that's quite a few. You know, even if it's, you know, 500 cases, which is about where it comes out, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of unexplained phenomenon. It is. You know, people have it all confused, especially, you know, some of these folks who are the new agers who come out with, you know, reports that they get see UFOs all the time. Or they, they have been abducted, you know, multiple times. Look, the honest truth is that UFOs, if they're coming here, which I have no doubt in my mind that they are coming here, uh, they've been here, I have no doubt about that, but if they are here, if they've been here, they're, they're probably not coming here at the amount of, uh, you know, uh, amount of times that people are reporting them. You know, the numbers are definitely skewed. You know, a lot of it is bogus, a lot of it are hoaxes, a lot of it is nonsense, a lot of it is misidentifiable objects, but if even 5% of, of it is true, which I do believe at least is 5% of it is authentic UFO reports, that's a lot, but also you got to remember a lot of UFO reports are that are authentic UFO reports could also be crafts that we're building, that we're test flying, yeah. stuff that we have here that you know that it's our own projects that are black budget projects. Uh, the stealth bomber used to get reported as a UFO for years before it was declassified, and you know the public was made aware that hey, this is flying in our skies. This is what a lot of people have been seeing. The triangle UFO that even Art Bell saw, I'm pretty sure that was a UFO that is nothing more than something that we're been, we've been developing for years, you know what I mean? So a lot of it is our own stuff that we have now, of course, where, the, the, where did this technology come from? It's the real question. we got to tra- trace it back to the root where the technology came from, to really dig you know to know if there was any truth to it but that doesn't mean that every reported authentic ufo case is a government project because there is you know a percentage right. of that i would say I, I would say about a good 30 percent of that five percent is authentic ufo uh, unidentified flying object from outer space about 30 percent from that five percent do you think that'd be a fair assessment i'd say that's probably a little bit low actually um i'd say Probably close to half of the unexplained phenomenon are of non-governmental. No, I'm being realistic. Because, for instance, if you saw a black triangle, all right, you would not automatically jump to the conclusion that it was something unearthly. Most people, if they saw it and it said U.S. Air Force on the side, they'd probably be pretty intent that, you know, it was the U.S. Air Force. I don't think any aliens are going to be camouflaging themselves as natives. But, and that there was no. actually one report like that, um, that the guy could actually read, you know, uh, emergency exit handle on the, on the bottom of the TR-3B craft. <laughs> but uh, what, whether that was a credible report, eh, Maybe not. Let me, did he, let me guess. Did he was. sound like this? Did he sound like this? Yeah, I saw it on the year yonder over there, and it said exit well, on the bottom. He didn't. He said, "Oh man." He 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 sounded like a um, sincere individual. 
does it mean okay. it's uh, true? No. But Looney it means Tunes. he sounded like yeah. a sincere individual. But then so did uh, <laughs> a lot of other people who ended up being serial killers. You know, they were sincere. Jeffrey Dahmer. They were just Jeffrey Dahmer was serial a killers. Yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer was a sweetheart, according to a lot of people. Just had one health, of course, he just, just had a really, of an appetite. really heavy eating disorder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But, you know, it, it's so true, man. It, it's so, so true. And it's funny because a lot of misidentified stuff really are, are conventional aircrafts. I've had people misidentify blimps. And I you know, come back with like footage or pictures, and they're like, man, I saw this UFO, and it blew my mind, and it flew away at a crazy speed. And then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, dude, that's a, that's a freaking blimp. Like, you could see, like, the little lights on it from, like, the commercial, whatever it is they're, they're putting, like, whatever number it is they're advertising. And uh, they thought there were, like, some crazy trippy lights the UFO was trying to display. And I'm like, are you serious? You're just looking at it from, like, a different angle. If you look at it from this angle, look, it says Macy's, shop for less. I mean, seriously, are you serious? Are you that stupid? And I've had people make that mistake. You know, I've had I've had people send me videos like that, and I'm like, are you serious? I've even gone to the mission of making my own fake UFO video and putting it online to see how gullible people are, and people are gullible. I mean, it is amazing the stuff that people will fall for. I took I took footage of an airplane. Check this out, and I think you've seen this video, Rick. I took a picture, uh, uh, not a picture, a video of an airplane coming towards me at my house. I was sitting in front of my house. I saw this airplane. I know it was an airplane from far away, and I was like, "This looks like a UFO." And I, I could I could see it in my mind if I had a video camera how it would look like a UFO on video. So I ran inside, grabbed my video camera. Luckily, it was coming kind of straight towards my direction so it you know it stayed in that angle for a good 20 minutes you know and, and that's you know that distance so i grabbed my camera i put it on and i took about 10 minutes worth of footage of it coming straight at me it looks like it's a ufo just hanging in midair it's what it looks sure. like on the, on the camera and you have no idea how many hundreds of people emailed me about that video how many re, you know replies i got saying oh man that's exactly what we're seeing i'm like yeah no shit because you're seeing airplanes too asshole and that, that was like going on on a daily basis i was getting that because of that video i even had a website which i had never heard of put that video as one of the hottest ufo related uh videos they've seen in in months and i'm like are you serious like i know it was an airplane but they still believe that it was a real UFO. And even when I debunked it myself, because I did, I'm not you know, a hoaxer that just wants to put one over on people. I went on myself and I put, by the way, guys, this is an airplane. I still, to this day, get emails on my YouTube account about that video where people think it's authentic. That well, should tell you everything surprising. right there. Because, because people don't read the comments and stuff. They don't read the descriptions thoroughly at all it's just youtube but hey i had a it's got i had a lot of hits on youtube i had a lot of hits on yeah. that video so thank you guys <laughs> it was a youtube sensation for a good month but it, you know it, it it is incredible and guys again don't get all scared aliens are not all around us trying to kill us uh, or coming down here on on a crazy amount of numbers as people throw out at you. Uh, you know, it, it's really funny every time I hear one of these shows like with David Icke's of the world or Sean David Morton's of the world or one of these guys who swear that, you know, next year we're going to have disclosure and aliens are going to come down and it's going to be all great and gravy. Maybe not. You know, I, I'm really, I'm one of these people that are starting to think that disclosure might be a pipe dream. 
And I've, I've talked to, uh, you know, Steve Bassett about this. I, I'm really getting to that mind frame that I don't think we are ready, not that we're not ready psychologically, because I think as a society we are ready to, you know, understand that there is life on other planets, but the nations on this world are not ready. Uh, the the people of other countries that are still fighting over religious idioticies or idiotic, you know, differences are not ready. You know what I mean? And because of those people, I think we're not going to get disclosure anytime soon. At least not in our lifetime, which is kind of sad because I'd love to see it myself. I know you would too, Rick. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm not going to hold my breath either. No. If not, you're going to turn blue in the face, my friend, and uh, nobody wants to do a show with a blue guy. That just sucks. Yeah, you're just you're just prejudiced prejudiced against Smurfs. I know I, how you are. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I I kind of am. <laughs> if our logo tells you anything, I I, I kind of am. Actually, guys, yeah. we're gonna take a break here on Skywatchers Radio. Uh, we're gonna be right back in about five. Uh, so stick around. Please call in. You know the number seven eight six two four five eight one two seven. We have a lot more to come up. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more about some news that we have here and i have uh that audio of lloyd pie and the star child skull which again i think that rick is going to be the one item that's going to blow this whole thing apart once they disclose this as being authentic chance. it's done it's done i mean yeah. it, it's it, it, once the scientific community says yes this being was not of this planet that completely changes the game right there it just does so guys call on in 786-245-8127 i want to hear you talk about this star child's call before i play the audio so please call in and, and share your thoughts on what's going on with that item i want to hear what you got to say if you believe that it's real if you don't think it's real if you think lloyd pie is smoking some good stuff tell me i want Howard Stern, South Park. Tune in to find out where they get their material. Live Wi-Fi broadcasting. Mass Appeal Talk Radio is now online. George Rodriguez, Boca Bryant. Live talk every day on SoFloRadio.com. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, 
Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. All systems are functional. And I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the, the new king of radio. This is the Oz man, one of the voices in the Jackal's head. Are we alone in the universe? Now, I'm a voice of the Jackal's head. But it's good is there life after death? I'm Nick Pope, and now I'm a voice inside the Jackal's head. Is the government keeping secrets from us? This is Stephen Bassett, and uh, I am now a voice inside the Jackal's head. Will the Cubs ever win the World Series? <laughs> I am now a voice inside the Jackal's head. And that was Lloyd Pye. Who the hell are these voices inside my head? Listen live on the Jackal's head and find out. Ladies, are you sick of being pushed around by that bully husband of yours? Hey! I don't smell breakfast! Have you had it with his relentless demands and bad attitude? Hey, Lorraine! Get in here and clip my toenails! Try effeminate napkins from Gaytex and he'll be singing a new tune. Oh, the cartons in the kitchen have had it! How about something in a nice yellow with with just a, just a whole bunch of lemon? Those days of reserved submission to your hubby will be gone forever. All you need to do is sneak an effeminate napkin into his favorite fruit of the looms and voila! Oh, honey, I just can't make these pants and shirt work. Would you help me accessorize? Oh, oh, zip me? Try Gaytex Effeminate Napkins today. Available at your favorite supermarket in the personal hygiene section. Where the hell are my Judy Garland records, damn it? You've heard of Barbie and Ken. Now, from you dropped a bomb on me products, comes the Larry Flint doll. Touch Larry's special spot, and Larry Flint talks. Yes, the kids will love the all-new Larry Flint doll, complete with his very own penthouse suite, handicapped parking space pass, Larry Flint computer accessories, so you can dig up all the dirt on your friends and neighbors, whether it's true or not. It's not the prettiest doll you'll ever own. It's the Larry Flint doll that actually talks. Wheelchair and Spud Magazine sold separately. Hi everybody, this is Boca Brian once again to tell you about my latest CD of religious comedy bits. Word of Boca. All my smash hits made famous throughout the world. Or the, well, not exactly the world. Let's see. Parts of Boca down to Narcea Paladin. Well, like I was saying, the most requested religious comedy bits ever to be heard all over your radio for too short a time. You'll get such hits as... You'll get Father O'Toole, Amen, and this all-time Boca classic. They were speaking in tongues, that made me a believer. Yes, it's Word of Boca, about 30 all-time certified aluminum religious hits by Boca Brian, who sits on the middle finger of God while singing about men of the moist cloth. That's Word of Boca, available now at all Peaches, Records, and, uh, I mean, at Order Yours Today by clicking on the album cover on SoulBlowRadio.com. PSN Radio The Soup, the best talk radio anywhere.
or no? And we are live now. Way cool. We're back on Skywatchers Radio. How you doing? That's right. I'm doing good. I needed that little break there. And uh, guys, you know the number? 786-245-8127. Please call on in. Again, 786-245-8127. Now, Rick, I, I did mention that I have an audio clip of the DNA results of the Star Child Skull with Lloyd Pye that I wanted to play here. It's about 10 minutes long, uh, but it's very important because, look, like we were saying before we went on break, uh, this is going to be the story, guys, that's going to blow this subject out of the water. This is the one. This is the one that we've been waiting for. Confirmation that there is DNA that is not human found on this planet. Now, think about how important this is. Whether this is a being from another planet that it was hybrid uh, to a human, or whether this being was a human that, or some kind of humanoid that lived indigenous to this planet, you know, hundred thousands of years ago, whatever the case may be, this is not humans as we know it. So this is still an extremely interesting, interesting subject, and an extremely important yep. subject. And I really am upset that this does not get the media coverage that it deserves. You don't see this stuff on CNN. You don't see no, you don't see any talk about no. this on CNN. Yep, or any of the other news channels. The closest has come was UFO hunters and and Bill just didn't get it quite right. But we'll we'll talk about oh, that shocking. after the clip. They, like you said, this this particular case is potentially the hottest UFO news on this planet period it is i mean it does not get more uh important than this case i think in ufology because look a lot of the stuff we have in ufology is word of mouth it's stories is uh stuff you have to take as faith basically uh like for example a lot of people put a lot of faith in the billy liars i mean i mean billy myers of the world uh where they feed you this beautiful tale of meeting pleiadian women that shockingly enough look exactly like some chicks on the old uh jerry lewis show or rich or dean martin show whatever it was uh shockingly they look just like the the dancers on one of his shows but you know it's just stories and hearsay and nothing credible here we have finally a story that scientifically can be proven that changes a lot of things. This, we're talking about science can collaborate it or disprove it. Yeah, it, it could be completely proven to be bunk. It really could. Hey, this is just a retarded kid with uh, some messed up chromosomes. That could be it. But you know what? They haven't disproved it yet. They haven't disproved. Right. They haven't disproved it yet. So uh, let, let's do this. Let's go ahead and play this clip. I think, like I said, this is something that we must pay more attention to. Not only here, but in the media. Uh, everybody needs to pay more attention to this. Let's, so let's play this. Let's hear uh, this 10-minute-long clip of the Star Child Skull and the DNA results that came back from just this past year, which I'm positive you haven't heard, Rick. I'm positive you haven't seen this video or heard this audio. Uh, so this is going to be news to you, too. So here, listen to this, guys. Check this out. In early 2010, a team of geneticists in America began DNA testing on possibly the strangest looking skull ever discovered. Whilst trying to recover its nuclear DNA and matching it against the National Institute of Health database, they found a significant number of coherent base pairs that have never been seen before. 
This was an historic moment for science, as it proved beyond all reasonable doubt that part of the skull's DNA is not human. Since that result, the geneticists have predicted that when the final genome recovery is complete, it will provide science with the first record of alien DNA ever discovered. The skull's caretaker is Lloyd Pye. Lloyd, a researcher in aspects of human origins, named it the Star Child. It was found in Mexico in the 1930s, and through carbon dating, we know that the skull is over 900 years old. It has over two dozen major physiological differences to that of a human. These are the cuts in the skulls for DNA testing, and you see that the star child, when I've been saying it's half as thick, you see very clearly here. In some points, it's even less than half, and this is, you know, in the skull. So, I mean, there's just no exaggeration there. There's a complete difference in the bone throughout. Uniformly, it's different. This is the biochemistry of a typical human bone. Its calcium and phosphorus levels are high, and its oxygen and carbon levels are low. But with the star child, it's quite different. The phosphorus is down, and the carbon and oxygen are up, indicating its biochemistry is more like tooth enamel than regular bone. This is uh, a uh, scanning electron microscope view of the bone, and this is the way bone is created. You have the cortical layer here, cortical layer here, and in here are the cancellous holes where the bone marrow moves. And coming out of um, some of the cancellous holes, but also embedded in the matrix of the bone are these, these fibers, these very durable, strange fibers that nobody's ever seen before, they're in no other species, and we don't really know what they are, but we just know that they're really durable because the Dremel blade that cut this through here did not cut cleanly these, these different fibers. That tells you they have a high, high resistance factor to the blade. It lacks frontal sinuses, has smaller chewing muscles, and is missing an Indian. Instead, its neck connects on top of its frame and magnum opening, indicating that its neck is about half the size of a normal human neck. And here we see one clearly embedded in the matrix of the bone on the surface. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. And you know what science says about this? Ah, you probably dropped it on a carpet and it picked up carpet fibers. You know, just, I mean, really, that is the answer that I get. It has to be just fibers off a carpet or something. This can't be, it really can't be in the world of, of mainstream science, but there it is. This is a piece of upper right maxilla that was found with the star child. When one of the teeth was extracted, it was found to have very heavy roots, indicating it was an adult when it died. When the maxilla was x-rayed, a staggering five more teeth were discovered, waiting to come down. The key is that normal human bone, when you die, there are bacteria in your body that scour and eat every bit of your marrow out and they leave your bone polished, shining, just like this, just like you see. You could eat out of that just like the bacteria did. It's so clean. There is no marrow left anywhere. And this is the way it is with all animals when they die. With a star child, we see a big difference. And we also see a difference in the color, too. It's much more milkier than that alabaster look of the human bone because it's got so much more collagen. But you see this red residue here sprinkled everywhere. We don't know what that is. Never seen it before, and it's not in any other species. It's not blood because when blood oxidizes, it's not our blood anyway, or our type blood, because when blood oxidizes, it turns black. So if that was bone marrow, that would, that would be black. So those two things, the, the fibers and the, um, and the 
uh, residue are just unknown in anything else. And here they sit in the star child, both of them, and yet science just says, you know, and this is what they say. This is what you need to understand about science and all of these physiological differences that I've just pointed out. They mean nothing to mainstream science. They mean nothing. In January of this year, a geneticist contacted me out of the blue, and he said, I think you really might have something. And he said, if you send me a sample, I will take a new technique, a new shotgunning technique, which recovers much smaller pieces than the old uh, primer technique. So he took it. About six weeks later, he got back in touch with me and he says, you're really not going to believe what, what's happening here. Uh, we, we don't, I don't believe it. I've done it enough times now to where I'm convinced that I'm doing it right and we're getting some very unusual results. Some of it comes out human, sure enough. You see right here, this sequence of 265 base pairs long, 265, no question about it, part of the star child is human. Except, next slide, some of the star child's DNA comes back with this incredible reading. No significant similarity found. 342 base pairs long. It's a coherent base pair sequence not found in the NIH database. I said, well, what's the answer? And he says, well, it could be, and here's where we go off the deep end, it could be that it's an alien, entirely an alien, born to a human mother. And I said, what? How would that happen? How would you get a pure alien born to a human mother? So he made up a slide for me and sent it to me. And he said, now understand, this is happening today. This is happening today. If a human female has mitochondrial disease, which means that her mitochondria are bad and are going to produce very, very flawed and dead children for the most part, if it's found out that she has that and she wants to have a, a child with her mate, her husband, what they can do is they can take her package put it in a dish, you've heard about this, and mix it with her husband's sperm and create a zygote with her chromosome package and her husband's chromosome package. Then they take an egg, a good egg, from a third party, a third a woman, take that woman's chromosomal package out, put the zygote in, put that egg in the first woman, and she will have a baby that will be her and her husband's genes, but it will have the mitochondria of the third woman. So he said we could have the same thing. You have two aliens getting together, making a zygote, and for whatever reason, taking the, uh, the chromosomal package out of a female egg, putting it in, and then she will bring it to term, and it's a full alien, nothing but alien DNA in it, but it has her mitochondrial, human mitochondrial DNA. Now why? Why would they do that? We don't have any idea. We know this is a radical thing to say. We know that it's going to be met with a lot of resistance because it's going to prove that we don't just have a, a, a hybrid between a human and an alien 900 years ago. We have genetic, clear genetic 
engineering, clear evidence of genetic engineering 900 years ago. It's a much bigger pill for science to swallow and it's also going to cause a much bigger revolution in thinking among everybody because we're, it's going to be very hard to wrap minds around this. But this is where we are. This is what we think we can do. This is what we know we can do. We're now in the process of trying to get the money to start the process of sequencing the whole genome because when you sequence the genome, at the end of that period, it's only about three to four months. From the time you start, three to four months, you have an answer. And you have a general idea of what that percentage is going to be, whether it's 15%, 20%, whatever. You can do it within, say, five points of error, just recovering the whole genome. And then you have the period of eight to 12 months where they're going to have to fine-tune it and figure out all of the unknown parts and then they'll be able to say within a margin of error of one or two percentage what the difference is. And that difference is going to stick because anybody that does it again, that's the beauty of DNA. It's, it's the math of biology. It's repeatable again and again. And this is why we win because we are producing something they can't argue with. There isn't any of this business about nature can do anything. When it comes to DNA, DNA trumps nature. So whatever the DNA says is whatever is going to have to be accepted. And this is what we think it's going to say. There you just heard from the voice of Lloyd Pye himself. The results that they're getting in on the DNA of the Star Child Skull. Amazing. Amazing audio. Uh, Rick, I know you haven't heard this before. What are your thoughts on what you just heard? Uh, the uphill battle will be... <clears throat> there you go. Are you ready? Well, Good job. It'll be... Yeah, it'll be just like the story I read earlier about the um, meteorite bacteria. It's like, well, it's not peer-reviewed. It's like... Okay, what's that got to do with the data? Well, that doesn't matter. It's not peer-reviewed. You know, it's <laughs> you're screwed if you do and screwed if you don't. It's just the, the nature of this, unfortunately, the nature of this particular beast is that it's not our uh, it's not our idea, so we don't accept it. Uh, that's just right. exactly how it's going to go. Sorry. Sad but true. Now, my question would be, you know, once the results are, are fully released, because, you know, the, the final final results are not in, even though they're pretty much, you know, they pretty much have, you know, the final results, but they just haven't announced that, yes, this is the final uh, results. But, you know, once that is released, you know, we will have a large group of people saying, yeah, well, they probably doctored the, the evidence to you know swing one way and can these doctors be trusted and you know and these can these scientists be trusted and, and you know people are going to br you know bring this up uh, to what end are we going to be satisfied i mean do we have to have another peer of you know respected scientists i mean who would it take to convince the public at large that this thing is real what scientists do we have to put on there uh to work on this skull and and look at the data and say yes this is real data and this is a real alien or hybrid or whatever the hell the thing may be. I mean, do, do, do you think it has to be like a big name that everybody knows? Does it have to be a government-sanctioned uh, you know, test? Uh, I mean, to what end will it Good take to finally one. convince the public? 
yeah, exactly. The government's not going to do anything. The government's going to wash their hands of it and, you know, keep the status quo. To them, they, they don't want this to get out. So they're not going to get involved in this. Correct. It, and it's exactly like the case we talked about with the British release and Nick Pope saying, sorry, but that's the way it had to be at that time. And um, that's the way it's going to be this time. I'm confident. Now, I wish... I, I really, truly wish Lloyd the best on this because no one has yes. been more diligent in uncovering the truth than Lloyd Pye, period. End of story. Yep. Nobody. Well, Will Steve it Bassett gets pretty close. I certainly hope so. Pretty close. Uh, yeah. Pretty close. Got to give him, man. He's but, he's but losing still. money every year on, on, the, on the conferences in Washington, and he's still doing it, and... He, he's a trooper, and he really is trying to get to the bottom of disclosure. But, yeah, no, L- Lloyd Pye is, you know, a hero of mine. He's a, he's another one of the guys that I look up to in ufology and say, you know what, here's a guy who is not only putting his reputation, his career, his life on the line for basically to, to find out what, you know, the, the ultimate question is. Are we alone? Yeah, that's really what he's doing this for to to answer that ultimate question. And you got to tip your hat to the guy because you know what? I'm not doing that stuff right now. You're not doing that stuff. You know, we're not we're not involved in this scientifically. Uh, I wouldn't even know how to begin to be involved in some of this scientifically. I mean, granted, I am into the subject, but I'm not a scientist, so I wouldn't know how to go about it. But he is doing it, and you know, my hats off to the man. He is, like you said, one of the 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 people that has done the most to get disclosure to happen. You, you're definitely on point when you say that, Rick. I got I to gotta give it to you on that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I can't reiterate enough. No one has done more for the topic. And um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that anybody will ever solve it completely because there are a lot of purposeful, deliberate obstacles to the research. Um, yes. Sad, sad sadly there are a lot of options. sad but true now if if anybody can get past it i'd say it's probably lloyd pie and, and that's you know that's not saying he will but i certainly hope he does God, I hope he does. You know, I I want to see the day, Rick, where I want to see the day where when Lloyd Pye and Steve Bassett are on TV, uh, you know, doing an interview on on 60 Minutes, laughing at the government for, you know, all the BS that's gone on the last 60 years, you know, finally having their day of glory because disclosure has happened. I'm dying to see that. And these two guys have worked their ass off to try to make this happen, to try to pressure the right people to make it happen. It's not like they're out there trying to say, okay, guys, you know, uh, we want you to fake something uh, and and say uh, that this is real so we could just, you know, come up with uh, some alien stuff and, and tell the public, yeah, that we did it. Uh, no, they're, they're really just trying to get the truth. You know, you don't hear them uh, mixing with the Billy Liars, I mean, Billy Myers of the world. You don't hear, you know, these guys interacting with the hoaxers out there. You hear them doing scientific work to try to get the truth out. Politic work to try yep. to get the truth out, which is what Bassett does, exopolitics. That's exactly what Steve Bassett, Steve Bassett is doing. And, again, these guys are my heroes in ufology. So, uh, you know, it's going to be tough for for them to get what they want as a final result. But... Damn it! Somebody has to has to do it, and I'm I'm glad they're doing it. 
Yeah. I'm glad it's not me. I'm glad That's they're doing it because because uh, I'm not I'm not prone to that kind of uh, <clears throat> let's see what would you call it? Oh yeah, ridicule. Uh, yeah, me neither. I'm, I have enough problems when people call me fat. And they say, yeah, you're fat. I'm like, really? Damn, that hurts my feelings a little bit. So imagine they're saying, you're crazy. You believe in aliens. Well, they kind of do that anyway already, but uh, not to that scale. Yeah, I, you know I, what I mean? I so, yeah, they, they kind of do already. But Yeah. <sighs> gotta, you know, it's funny. Speaking there, of that. But... No, not really. No, But speaking of, you know, to, to kind of uh, make you laugh a little bit here, to switch up a little bit. This is funny. I was, uh, I don't know if you know this story. I, I was seeing this young lady a few months back. And uh, the first thing she started asking me about was my show, you know, the the Jackal's Head and Skywatcher's Radio, and she starts asking me about, uh, you know, what kind of topics I cover, and I'm and I'm telling her, yeah, well, you know, I cover a little bit of everything, and I kind of told her about, you know, the Jackal's Head mostly, and you know, the stuff I've been doing there, and then I started talking about Skywatchers, and she was like, oh, that's interesting, so you you are into the UFO stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely. And she goes, well, because, uh, you know, Carlos, who's a friend of mine, by the way, I've known Carlos for 16 years, a good, good friend of mine, knows this girl. And uh, she goes, because Carlos told me that uh, you're really into the UFO subject and to ask you about the aliens and uh, and then to, you know, think about whether you want to go out with him or not after he tells you about the alien stuff that he believes in. So she, like, came into this whole thing kind of already, like, pre-warned that I'm into the alien subject, like, if it's some kind of a crazy thing, you know? So it's funny, I had to call my friend up, and I had to be, Carlos, uh, why are you telling girls that, uh, ask me about the alien stuff? You know, just let them find out about the, the shows that I do. Why why pre-warn them? And, and, you know, even, you know, mind you, this guy is a completely religious kind of dude, and you know, doesn't really believe in aliens that much. He, you know, he kind of has an open mind, but doesn't really believe too much. Uh, but uh, his answer was because because uh, I knew it would be funny. That was pretty much his answer. Yeah, and it was. It was kind of <laughs> thanks, Carlos. Have to answer that. Yeah, thanks, Carlos. Good job. Uh, he's also he's of course from uh, Death Crown King, who was on my show a few months ago. He's a good good friend of mine. You know, uh, regardless of uh, the, the humor behind uh, his madness. Uh, he is a good guy, so shout-outs to Carlos and his wacky band, Death Crown Kings. Not my kind of music, i got to say. Just saying. But anyway, uh, you know, we have a few other stories here. Rick, do you have anything else you want to share with the uh, with the cloud before I go on here? Because I have another uh, item of uh, <laughs> of interest that I wanted to talk about. But I know that the ladies like hearing your voice, too, so I want to give you a little time here. Do, do you have something else you want to share with us? Uh, no. Go for it. Oh, well, <laughs> damn. Well, there, there you go, ladies. Gotcha. That's all the Osman you get. <laughs> anyway, I do have one here. This is from uh, March 7th, so it's just from yesterday. It's a UFO sighted at Western Park. Now, this is what I, what I was talking about earlier. Everybody and their mothers are seeing UFOs now. It says here, scientists yeah. have been mystified of, by reports of unusual extraterrestrial activity around Western Park. The past few weeks, visitors of the park have reported experiencing warm, prickly sensations before passing out only to wake up in a strange white room and seeing flashes of lights. Now, I quote here, it says, I thought I was dreaming, but my wife said she saw them too, said a source who, who wished to remain anonymous. Of course he did. We both saw the little green men, right, uh, with strangely flat faces, talking to each other in heavily accented English accents. Uh, they were standing in front of these machines, and I presumed were computers and <laughs> talking about 
I'm not even going to try to pronounce this about bing and I'm not even kidding you the spelling of this is about p p p p p r o bing I guess probing for the chat I think they're Latinos that wrote this because they're rolling the r's probing uh, the source broke down at the point and could not continue the interview. He said, uh, I guess that's, they weren't rolling the R's. They probably crying <laughs> balls at the probing part. Ah, probing! They anally probed me! Uh, if the above scenario has your little hot on the little imagination running wild there with the anal probing, uh, then come down or, come down a little lower to the uh, Western Park on Friday 11th. There's going to be a sci-fi, I guess... Uh, event there, Sci-Fi Under the Stars is called, a free outdoor movie screening of two great sci-fi films hosted by Media Design School. So that's actually pretty cool. We will be showing the first contact movie, a tongue-in-cheek short film <coughs> about what happens when alien subcontractors uh, go rogue by advanced 3D students at Media Design School, followed by the feature presentation Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which we talked about on the other article I read. Get a group of friends, bring blankets, picnic baskets, and bring a boo-boo to the picnic, and make a night of it under uh, the stars, the and you will indulge... There you go. Indulge in the spots of extraterrestrial therapy. Extraterrestrial therapy. Okay. I do like the uh, part here where... What, uh, yeah, they all need therapy, I think. Especially after you read this part, and I quote, We yeah. both saw these little green men with strangely flat faces talking to each other in heavily accented English accents. They were standing in front of these machines that I presumed were computers and talking about probing. Yes, yeah, you okay. need therapy. Alrighty, then. Heavy, heavy therapy. I doubt aliens have English accents. That's all I'm saying. A bloody good time, mate. We're going to probe him right in the anus. These, these aliens it did. It says so right in the article. And when was the last time somebody actually reported little green men? I haven't heard that one in since, whew, since the 80s, at least. Are they little gray men? Didn't they, like, move up a class to gray? They went from green to gray? You know? Green, gray. It's like a, it's kind of like a step Perhaps. up. Kind of. I mean, it kind of is. Well, maybe. Uh, so, yeah, when was the last time there was a little green man with English accents running around? With these, uh, some kind of leprechauns uh, that we don't know about? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that, anyway, that's, that's a pretty funny story. Month, but... Yeah, well, well, we're close to that, but still a pretty cool story nonetheless. And the, you know, the event. Uh, look, if they're trying to just drum up some buzz for this uh, event, uh, my hats off to them because they got obviously some articles written about this. So uh, if the Western Park uh, was doing that just to drum up a little bit of media buzz to get this event uh, to have a good turnout, well, then uh, here you go. I'm going to tell you once again how to get there. This is at March 11th, so it's coming right up 8 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. at Western Park Lower End in Ponsonby. Ponsonby. Do you know where Ponsonby is? Because I have no freaking idea. None. I don't even know what I don't no? even know what part of the world we're talking about. Well, that's another story altogether. But anyway, uh, it says here, uh, yeah, March 11th, Sci-Fi Under the Stars, free outdoor movie screening with two great films, little uh, short film, like I said, and a big one, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So if you're in Ponsonby, wherever the hell that is, uh, check that out. If not, just get the DVD or Blu-ray copy of third of Close Encounters of the Third Kind and uh, sit at home in your nice AC, chill out with some popcorn, your girl, your kids, your dog, uh, your alien named Paul, and just watch the movie at home. 
much more fun. <laughs> I'm Less glad rain, you brought chances, up Paul. You know. Paul is a good movie, man. I've seen the trailer like four times. I am dying to see that. Oh, man, it's good. It, it does look rather interesting. I've got to admit, it has my attention. And it may break my record of trying to stay oh. away from theaters. Uh-oh. What would it take? Yeah. Uh, what, what if this is like an IMAX? Would you go see it in IMAX? You should. Oh, man. No. I wonder if this is IMAX. I will not IMAX. go to IMAX. Oh, dude. You have to see this on Sorry. IMAX. Are you kidding me? IMAX is no, like the greatest movie-going experience. Why? On why on God's it's green earth would you not watch a movie in IMAX? Eh, it's only like four bucks more. I'm cheap. Yes, you are. I'm cheap. There, that's the real answer. The truth yes, is finally is. revealed. Rick Osmond is a cheap bastard. I don't blame you. I haven't gone to the movies in a yeah, long time. The last time I went... It cost me fifty bucks, and I said, "Hell with this!" I didn't even get laid, so I just I, I said, "Enough of this movie madness." I'm downloading movies from now on, but I will I will be breaking my sabbatical um, from the movies. Uh, you know, Batman, the third one, I have to see that in theaters. I'm sorry, I have to. Well, you know, I, I Batman Dark I, I thought I was going to hold out for a long time, but then Thor's coming out in May, so I'll have to see that on a big <sighs> screen. There's no doubt in my mind I have to see that on a big screen. Yeah, I you know what? I've been wrestling with that I with that because Thor and Captain America are two movies that I'm really, really wanting to see right now after seeing the trailers and I might be breaking my sabbat, especially if they're on IMAX. I you see I don't mind spending the extra three, four bucks to see it on IMAX because it is so worth it. When I saw the Dark Knight there on IMAX, I dude, I, it was like a jizz fest. I was just literally like jizzing in my pants, like the entire time. It was just, it was an amazing, amazing experience. I have never felt more at home, uh, uh, you know, surrounded by strangers as I was there. I was just like, I was captivated by the movie, and it was just, it, dude, the screen is huge. You have no idea, and the clarity. Yeah. I mean, it's not like traditional oh, I've, theater I've, I've where they have, you know. Theater. It's amazing. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it is amazing. It's also still overpriced, but Fine. I, the closest Cheap. IMAX theater to me out here in Amish country is seventy-eight miles. So Ouch! It's not just the cost of the movie and the popcorn, you know. Ouch. Yeah, good point there. So I think there's probably a DVD in my future, but um, which I can get for free shipping if I get it in the right place. Anyway, All right. Um, Thor, Captain America, Paul. Um, have you talked to anybody that has seen Battle L.A.? Did you know what? I have one Friday? friend who saw it. Yeah, I have one friend who saw it, who works at the theater, and he saw it like uh, a couple of days before it opened. Uh, he liked it, but he said, "Dude, have you seen like Independence Day? You have you seen Transformers? Even uh, there's really nothing much new here. You know, it's, they really didn't cover new territory. In other words, it wasn't uh, an epic, as you know, they were trying to make it sound uh, in the commercials. What I expected. Yeah, 
Yeah, but he said it was a good movie. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. enjoyable. It was fun popcorn film, you know. But you know what it is? Technology is getting to the point, Rick, where these movies are becoming so easy to produce. Uh, we don't have that movie anymore that comes out like we did when Independence Day came out even. When that came out, that was like an amazing movie. I mean, I worked at AMC Theaters when Independence Day dropped. And I, we even got a, a souvenir plaque as uh, being part of the staff that survived the record-breaking opening of Independence Day. And it was like this huge event because it really was a phenomenal movie at that time. Now, every movie about yeah. that subject is like that, you know? So it's it, it becomes, it's watered down at this point. That's why, you know, Avatar had such the success that it had, even though I personally didn't like Avatar. I thought it was overrated as a film, but I can understand why it did so well because sure. it was phenomenal. It was a phenomenally uh, well-done movie when it came to the visuals. And for that alone, it sold the movie. You didn't really have to care about the, the characters in that movie or the subject matter that much. The visuals were stunning. I mean, the the 3D of that movie was phenomenal. If you haven't seen that movie in 3D, Rick, you really, you know, you're, you're wasting your time watching it on 2D. You know, that's a movie you have to watch 3D or IMAX. There, the other, any other way you watch it is just a waste of time. It really is. But really that saved that movie there was the whole 3d imax infusion but you have that once a decade you don't you don't even have that that much and battle of uh, battle los angeles is just another one of these movies it's like skyline that came out last year that's what it was actually compared to the most just like skyline with a little bit more action I saw Skyline. It was a good movie. It wasn't you know? It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible. It was it was all right. It was enjoyable, uh, which is what I'm expecting Battle of Los Angeles to be. You know, to be just an enjoyable popcorn film. But again, nothing new, nothing ground, you know, earth shattering or nothing that I haven't seen before. You know, I think I also as being a fan of Star Wars, I've been a little bit of uh, you know, uh, you know, I've been spoiled to be honest because we've we've gotten so many good visually done movies, even though The Phantom Menace sucked. I will agree. Uh, you know, the movie just, it was a bad, bad film. Uh, not in the movie overall, it was just the uh, the one character in there, Jar Jar Binks, that ruined the entire thing. But one character can ruin a movie. Yes, you're he can, and yes, he did. You're, you're just being racist against Jar Jar. I know how you are. I just don't like, I don't like Gungans. That's what it is. I like pulling the ears off Gungans. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> you know, yes, that movie kind of sucked. But you know what? Visually, though, Rick, visually, that movie was stunning. You know, it just, it was a beautifully yes, done movie. I remember when the pod race scene uh, first was ta being talked about. I, when I saw that movie, I didn't think it sucked when I saw it. I thought, my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And then Jar Jar happened. And I just wanted to kill George Lucas for putting Jar Jar. If George Lucas had never put Jar Jar Banks in Star Wars, my God, it would have been a phenomenal movie, The Phantom Menace. It just would have been an amazing visual, you know, picture. The storyline Star Wars always had weak storylines. The one thing that saved Star Wars when it came to the storyline was Luke, I'm your father. That was about the, the heaviest drama in the entire series. Great scene shocking, you know, turn of events for that movie. But really, other than that, the storyline has always been, eh, kind of cool, but nothing, you know, too fantastic. But, you know, the visuals have always been great. And they, I thought Phantom Menace had fantastic visuals. But segueing into this, did you hear about this? They're going to release the Phantom Menace next year, Rick, on 3D. In theaters. Well, that's not too surprising. Eh, again, not too surprising. And it will be a commercial success, I'm confident. Yes. 
But uh, again, it gets back to, you know, I've already seen that one. I'm not going to spend the money just to see it in 3D. 3D does not impress uh, me that much. I am. I'm sorry. I, I will. I'm a whore for George Lucas. Uh, even when the movie sucks, I, I still want to see it in 3D. Uh, now, this is coming right out of shockya.com, which is a website I visit all too often. So props to them. They have a lot of cool movie <laughs> news and stuff. Now, if you really were waiting on news about the upcoming 3D remastering of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, then you're in luck, because according to Slash Films and Force.net, another great source for all things nerdy when it comes to Star Wars, uh, the 3D version of the first part of George Lucas' epic story is set to be released in theaters February 10th, 2012. The official word from StarWars.com, including the paragraph, Star Wars is a perfectly suited movie to immerse into 3D theatrical experiences. The Episode 1 delivers some of the saga's most stunning and spectacular sequences, from the Naboo invasion to the Tatooine parties to the climactic lightsaber battle between Darth Maul and the Jedi's. Supervised by industrial light and magic, the meticulous conversion is being done with utmost respect for the source material and with the keen eye for both technological consideration and artistic intentions. Personally, I'm sure that watching Star Wars in 3D would be exciting. I mean, how could it not be? But is it really necessary is the question. I think Rick answered this earlier with, well, not for him. Well, will it add anything to the story? that's not already in the movie itself. Well, you know, will there be anything new on there? The answer is not really. Uh, it would be pretty much an exact replica of the 2D version, just in 3D with a lot of eye-catching candy in 3D. So, I'll be there. Thank you, George. Yawn. 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 I do want to see the lightsaber Yawn. battle in 3D, though. Yeah, now that would be cool. I got to admit, uh, Christopher Lee accomplished. Well, he wasn't I the mean, first he one. Truly accomplished. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry, wrong movie. But nevertheless, yeah, uh, he still accomplished something. I mean, it's just uh, first which one, Christopher Lee? How could he go wrong? The, yes, the, the short fight true, with Yoda. But... Oh, that was epic. That was as epic of a. And by the way, it's not a. It's not a sword fight. By the way, it's a lightsaber duel. Okay. Get your nerd isms correct, yeah, okay. Mister Osman. Okay, it's a lightsaber okay. duel, and yes, it was phenomenal. In fact, I, I had one of those jizz in my pants moments when I was in theaters watching that scene. I think the entire row I was sitting in were pretty much stroking it that night because it was just glorious to see Yoda hopping around and all his glory fighting against a legend in yep. Christopher Lee, of course, Darth Count Doku or Darth uh, what was his name? Not Darth Sidious. Uh, Darth Mal Malice or something. I don't remember his exact name, but Count Doku was the main name that he used in the movie. And that scene was amazing. <laughs> It really was. He was oh, a yeah. great bad guy, Christopher Lee. He he really was. Got to give him props. Always was. I mean, uh, even, you know, if you want to go back, what, 55 years 
spans his career, almost 60 years, I guess, spans his career. He's always yep. been a great bad guy. He's always he's always been a bad guy, come to think of it. Usually he was a vampire. But yep. he played those parts well. Which, by the way, is why they called his character Count Dooku. It was a little, uh, you know, know, homage to Count Dracula. Yeah, got it. For our nerds out there who didn't know that. And it worked. It worked. It did. It was, It was. Uh, again, his performance was badass. That's why, you know, a lot of the nerds who go online who, I hate George Lucas because he raped my child. Childhood guys who just whine about the the prequel trilogy and just whine about it. I'm like, dude, how could you hate on the prequels? I mean, visually they were stunning. The action was phenomenal. Uh, the storyline I thought was really good. You know, it had a lot of political stuff going on in there, which was always kind of interesting. The only thing that really sucked, and I agree, was Jar Jar Banks. But guess what? He didn't appear much in the second and third movie because George Lucas kind of figured out, hey, psst, psst, George. We hate Jar Jar. It's, uh, we can't stand Jar Jar. Yeah. So he kind of got the hint, you know what I mean? And uh, he took him out of the other two sequels. But, I mean, the movies were great, I thought. Uh, you know, I never really got the, the hate that the fanboys have for Lucas. And, uh, you, you know, I guess to each their own. You know, Everybody wanted these movies to be like Empire Strikes Back all over again. For three, you know, each one of them be as good as Empire Strikes Back. And that's just not going to happen. You're never going to have that moment again of Luke. I am your father. Just never going to see that again. True. That's one of those, you know, and, and that's why I think George Lucas did the movies the way he did, where he did four, five, and six, and then one, two, and three. Because he knew that if he revealed from the beginning who Anakin Skywalker was, by the time you get to Empire Strikes Back, eh, it's not going to have the same effect. You know, it's not going to have that same impact. No. And dramatically, that's the reason he released that first, so he could have that impact on the audience. And it worked. You know, George Lucas, for whatever you want to call him, he is a genius. I mean, the guy is a storytelling genius. And uh, he's going to make a lot of money with this 3D stuff, I think. Oh, man, because I'll be there at least 15 well, times. Well, after 47, 48 tries, he's bound to get it right, you know. Well, yeah, that's true too. But uh, yeah, they're they're not only releasing. Uh, yeah, well, they're not only releasing uh, Phantom Menace. By the way, uh, every sequel is going to be released within a few months of each other. So you will be seeing Attack of the Clones, great title for a movie, by the way, and uh, Revenge of the Sith, and of course, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, all within the next couple years. And uh, I'll be at every single one of them with my Star Wars tattoo, my lightsaber, and my Jedi robe. Thank you very much. Enjoying the hell out of them. Thank you very much, Mr. Lucas, for this 3D wonder. You know, I can't wait for this to be on Blu-ray and 3D. Oh, man, that's going to be great. Oh, it will be. But he'll wait three more years. Actually, if he waits five more years, it'll be released on 3D DVD, which I don't know if you've been following the media medium news hmm. but they pretty much got it perfected well i um, have actually a few 3d dvds in my possession mr osmond and i think you're a little behind the curve here uh but they've existed for a bit now uh the 3d medium has actually been around i think in a few years you're going to see 4d TVs and 4D DVDs. Uh, there, yeah, 3D's been a bit. In fact, I got Final Destination, the last one, in 3D on my Blu-ray, and it is glorious. Every murder scene is just phenomenal. 
it's gory. It's it's just awesome. So I can imagine Star Wars. But see, the 3D, when you watch it on Blu-ray, the technology is good. But when you go to the theater, it's just so much better because you have the real, the, the hard glasses you put, you know, the big black glasses. They cover most of your face. Uh, it's not a little cheap paper with a red and, and green screens, you know, with a little... It, it's not that. You know, you get a real glasses to put on, and it, it looks really good on, on the big screen. So I, I can't wait. I really can't. But uh, there's also the 3D TVs that are out now, which are really good. And I, I'm actually looking to invest in one of those pretty soon because I saw Avatar at Best Buy. No joke. This was about a month ago. I went to Best Buy, and they had on display a 3D widescreen uh, LG TV. And on it was Avatar. And when I passed by, it, it, everything like looked really fuzzy. And I was like, what the hell? Is this HD? And I started to read, and it said 3D TV, and I'm like, oh, it's 3D. I put on the glasses, Rick. I, I got a Woody. That's all I'm saying. I, I got, st- I got, I got a stiffy. It was, it was, it was so good. I mean, I, oh, I'm like, oh my god. I mean, it was like they were right there in front of you, man. It was, it was incredible. So I, from that point on, I was like, how much is the TV? And, and shockingly enough, it wasn't that expensive. It was only like nine hundred dollars or eight hundred dollars. Which, yes, that's a lot of money. That eight hundred bucks is a lot of money, guys. But you know, widescreen TVs just five years ago were like five thousand dollars. So they've gone down in price, and this is 3D technology, widescreen. It's amazing stuff. What I saw, so I really, really want to get on that. Uh, have you seen those TVs at all, or are you just uh, now catching up with the whole 3D uh, explosion? No, I'm in Amish country. Remember, we don't get that stuff Damn it. out here. Yeah. We got to get you on the on the big city, man. We got to get you down here to the big city so you can, uh, you know, share the wealth with us, uh, big city folk. Because we get it all here, baby. <laughs> we get everything. Yes, we do. Well, anyway, <laughs> I don't I don't see that the con. I have seen a lot of three D movies. Hell, I started seeing three D movies in nineteen fifty eight. You know, when it was like poor. Um, it was 3D, kind of, but it was pretty poor. No, poor. I take yeah. that back. It was incredibly poor 3D. And what I discovered was that, you know, when that same movie came on even black and white TV five years later, it was still the same content. It's still the same story. Um, it's the same thing I discovered with audiophile stuff, like... You know, I don't care what the total harmonic distortion is. That doesn't mean diddly to me. Can I hear it well enough to make out the lyrics? Can I hear the instruments clearly? Yeah, I can do that with MP3s. Well, MP3 sucks. I don't care. Uh, It's what I hear, so it's good enough for me. Mm -hmm. Sorry, it's just the way I see it. Well, you know, speaking of MP3s, you know they're they're doing away with CDs pretty soon, right? I mean, CDs are are pretty much obsolete now as it is. Uh, so pretty soon we're not going to have CDs anymore. That's just uh, yeah, that's spread right around the corner, actually. Yeah, it kind of does. You, you you're like me. You like having a, a CD of your favorite group or band or or boy band in your case, whatever, uh, whatever the case might be. Uh, you're, you're like me in that sense. You like actually owning a CD and not just having it on your computer on MP3, right? Right, because I know how fragile digital storage is unless it's optically stored. 
you know, you get close get close to a magnet, and uh, gone. Your SD card is gone. Same way with same way with the old true. tapes as well. But you know, it's like okay, get close to anything that has a high EMF field, and you know, write that one off, gone. download it again, pay for it again. Yep. Uh, with a CD. Okay, 50 years or so. Yeah, that's a short lifespan. I don't think at age 57 I have to worry about it too much. Sorry. <laughs> what do you mean, Osmond? You're going to outlive us all. Well, there is that chance. Slim, but it's a chance. Hey, 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 hey. He's no longer on this network. There will be no mention of him. What? What What did I say? What? Did I say? what? That's right. No, uh, slim chance. Anyway. Not not red yeah. pill guy. Yeah, there you go. But uh, anyway. I think you'll outlive us. I, I think you'll definitely outlive me. Jesus. The way I'm going. I'll be dead by the time I'm 40. Maybe 45. I'll be, yeah, I'll be on one of those... Uh, well, I'll be on one of those behind the scenes on VH1. The making of the Jackal's Head. <laughs> What went wrong? Yeah. And there'll be Rick Osmond interview Say when he's like 85. for me. <laughs> ah, I got a great feature to look Nine forward five. to. Guys, we're going to take a, <laughs> we're gonna take a little commercial break, everybody. We'll be right back here on Skywatchers Radio. So I haven't heard from any of the listening audience, but God damn it, the lines are open. 786-245-8127 is the number. Uh, we have about another 19 minutes or so, 20 minutes before we go off air. So if anybody wants to call on in, we'll be right back. And we will take your calls. So get on the horn. You know the number. 786-245-8127. So many times you got to me. I'm trying harder than can be. So many things are overrated and I can't let them be. Now I know what it is all about. The people Hey guys, Jamie Havoc in here to tell you about Inception Radio. We have teamed up with the Soup Media Network and we are one. Come check out InceptionRadio.com. We have many shows. My show, Inception Radio, is live Tuesdays and Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. But we have many other great shows like Jerry Pippen, Future Theater, UFO Traffic Report, Paranormal Guys Radio, Free Thinker with Tom Donahue, and more to come after the first of the year. InceptionRadio.com. Come check it out and remember to listen to Skywatchers Radio Wednesday nights, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on the Soup Media Network. For Inception Radio, this is Jamie Havigan. I'm out of here. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. 
Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. This is George Rodriguez, and Boca Brian is forcing me to encourage everyone to listen to all of the other shows on SoFloRadio.com. No, I'm not. You're making me do this because nobody's listening to any of the other shows. They uh, they suck, and you don't want to listen. <laughs> Turn it off now. <laughs> Where are we? Hi, everybody. This is Suds Coleman. You know, SoFloRadio.com is like a scab. <laughs> don't eat it. What does this computer do? It tunes into SoFloRadio.com. And also makes a nice doorstop. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Hi everybody, this is Boca Brian once again to tell you about my latest CD of religious comedy bits, Word of Boca. All my smash hits made famous throughout the world. Or the, well, not exactly the world. Let's see. Parts of Okeechobee down to, no, I'd say a calendar. Well, like I was saying, the most requested religious comedy bits ever to be heard all over your radio for too short a time. You'll get such hits as, My religion's better than your and you'll get Father O'Toole. Amen. And this all-time Boca classic. They were speaking in tongues. That made me a believer. Yes, it's Word of Boca. About 30 all-time certified aluminum religious hits by Boca Brian, who sits on the middle finger of God while singing about men of the moist cloth. That's Word of Boca. Available now at all Peaches, Records, and, uh, I mean, at Order Yours Today by clicking on the album cover on SoFloRadio.com. That's right, everybody. We're back on Sky Watchers Radio. The number is 786-245-8127. Again, it's 786-245-8127. Rick, I know you love this song uh, that we're playing right now. Little Bow Wow, Bone Thugs. Yeah. Your kind of music, I know. It's all you right here, yeah, man. Right. It's all you. But we're yeah. back on Sky Watchers Radio. 
And uh, you know, I wanted to actually read one thing here. It's not really UFO related or ufology related, but it has something to do with uh, the past article we read, you know, Star Wars, kind of. Uh, this has to do with Natalie Portman, which uh, just won an Oscar, Rick. Did you see uh, her Oscar uh, performance I, movie I in Black I Swan? I watch it, but I heard it. I, did, I have not seen the motion picture. I heard that she was uh, the recipient. Now, winning, that's another yes. issue. But yes, she was. <laughs> she received, she received it, an Oscar for that. Put role. it this way. This was, this was one of those uh, jizz-in-your-pants moments. Another one of those moments. Uh, Natalie Portman has branded her masturbation scene in Black Swan as disgusting. Which I kind of agree, but damn, was it good to, to watch. The film about the ballerinas battling it out for the lead role in Swan Lake contains a particularly graphic scene in which Natalie's character, Nina, is caught by her mother pleasuring herself. Ooh. And she admits it was one of those most uncomfortable things she's ever had to do on film. She told MTV News about shooting the scene, describing it as so disgusting. But yet, she probably had a smile from ear to ear as she said that. On her discomfort, she added, it was akin to the experience of watching a movie with my parents sitting next to me. Uh, let me tell you, that fun. The movie also contains a scene where Natalie's character Nina and her rival Lily, played by Mila Kunis, from that 70s show, by the way, have a lesbian romp, which Mila has revealed she asked her father not to watch when they attended the screening together. Cannot say he's a blamer. She said, uh, she said here, and I quote, he was like, I don't think I should see the movie. I was like, uh, see the movie. And then he was like, there's going to be uh, good stuff in the movie, right? And then she was like, just get up and leave when that part comes on. And then they were like, I don't think my dad should see this. Just, it's not necessary. That's kind of how they wrote this. I'm not kidding either, but says here, but Natalie is adamant that the sex scenes are not the most shocking aspect of the film, which was directed by Darren Aronofsky. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Instead, she claims that the finger scene, <clears throat> yeah, where Nina pulls a loose piece of skin on her finger, causing it to bleed profusely, is the most difficult part to watch for her. Uh, yeah, that was pretty gross. Uh, she added, the finger moment is pretty, uh, well, it makes my blood curdle. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, hey, congratulations to uh, Natalie Portman, though. From, of course, the Star Wars tr prequel trilogy, you know, Miss Queen Ayamadala. Uh, she won an Oscar for Black Swan and well-deserving. I mean, I, I, I sat through the movie, Rick. I saw a movie about ballet. Yes, I did. I, I am ashamed or in a way of saying that. Uh, but it was, it was well worth the hour and forty minutes because it was actually a very good movie. You know the ballet, the whole thing of the movie. While that's at the core of the film, that kind of takes a backseat to the like the real drama going on with her character and uh, the fact that she is slightly cuckoo for cocoa puffs. And uh, let's just say that she's not playing with a full deck as it is. And her mother is like the wicked witch of the West in the movie. And she's like one of the most... Uh, it's funny because the character of the mother seems really nice at first. But then you see like the way she's really treating her child as a slave almost. Uh, it, it was like it was weird. It, it, it was weird, but I know some mothers like that. Which was, you know, it kind of brought it home a little bit to me. So, uh, not that my my mother's not like that, but I know friends who have mothers similar mother in this movie who pressure their kids so much to do.
do exactly what they want. In sports, when I used to play baseball, we had parents just like the mother in this movie. They, you know, would you know harper down on their kids to live and breathe the sport. And you know, kids will be kids. You know, kids need to have fun and frolic and play and and do a lot of other stuff. And uh, some kids don't get that chance because of their parents. So I kind of understood, you know, that aspect. The the the, the mind. Uh, the warping drama in this movie that happens. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, it is extremely well directed. I mean, I thought that Darren Aronofsky should have won the best director uh, for this movie because he, I mean, he did a, a brilliant job. I thought he was the job he did as director in this film alone should have won him best director, best picture because it really was the best movie that came out last year, no doubt about it. I mean, that guy did a phenomenal job, and it's a movie about the ballet. So. Oh, you well, know, speaking of great movies worth that watching. are up for future, future Oscar winners, Jackass 3 is coming out. Oh, boy. Wow. I hear the crickets in the background right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I'm so thrilled I'm going to ignore it completely. Well, you know why? Because the last jackass made a lot of money because there's a lot of jackasses out there who actually go watch this crap. I, you know, I, I like. I, I'm proud of one thing, Rick. I'm I'm proud of one thing in my life. I have never seen a jackass movie in theaters. <clears throat> never sat through one. I've sat through the first one. I wouldn't even download on TV one because maybe that's just me. I saw one on no, HBO. I, I that's as far I as I went. Yeah, don't don't. I'll it's, tell you how how stupid. devoted I am to this show and this network and this radio station. I missed Stargate Universe tonight. Oh, and it's been canceled. There's I'm... only ten left. Oh man, that sucks. Uh -huh. Well, yeah, it did. How many seasons did it, did it last? Stargate Universe, like three, four, two. Two, one, two, two, something like that. Yeah, two and a half. Actually. I was close. Damn. Well, you know which was in the bubble. I was actually reading. I was reading the fringe is on the bubble. It's been doing uh, kind of shite uh, in the ratings the last few weeks, and uh, they're even starting a save fringe campaign online. So, all you fringe fans, uh, yep. do a Google search for save fringe because uh, they might get rid of this phenomenal show if uh, if we don't step up and start watching this thing and I, i'm hey i'm as much to blame for for it as as anybody else because i've been busy the last three or four weeks and i have not been able to watch it live i've had to download it and watch it later and that does not help you know watching it live is what really helps uh these shows survive and uh i really really hope rick that they don't cancel fringe i really hope they don't well i hope not either all I can say is if they do, about three episodes before the finale, J.J. Abrams is going to step in and make it absolutely phenomenal. So it's kind of a win-win for that. fans because I, I I watched a lot of the, uh, you know, the discussion, the off-camera, or not off-camera, but off-episode discussions that they have on uh, on Fox, uh, uh, on the fringe side, I should say. And uh, JJ, during the first season, they had one up there. They took it down pretty quickly, but he had one up there. So yeah, we have an exit strategy already. It's like, ooh, ooh. It's like I don't want it to end. I can't 
with CD in it, you know? <laughs> I don't want yeah, it to end, I, I but I can't wait totally to see the end. <laughs> but I really don't want it to and end, same, man. I want it to at least last another three, four seasons. Exactly. At least. And the same thing with Stargate Universe. They have an exit strategy, which is kind of something new in the TV production writing world. It's like, we're going to write the ending first. It's like, wow. Yeah. What's up with that? Well, you know what? I, that's so actually that, a good idea because there's been a lot of there's been a lot of good shows that have been canceled after a, a season or two, and they haven't really had a proper yep. send off to that series. And you kind of, as a fan, you just kind of left right. in in the balance, like, yeah, you know that you know what happened to the characters, what's you know what happens to the storyline, you know, like Journeyman, for example, which I thought was a great series, had one season because of the writer's strike, that show was canceled and pulled off air. Sliders is another one. Like, which kind of left you hanging in the balance. And that was a great series at first. Phenomenal series, Sliders. Heroes. Heroes is another one, yeah. Well, Heroes, yeah, they, they left you hanging, but, you know, Heroes was getting pretty uh, pretty bad at the last few episodes. So I kind of saw it coming. It was the first three seasons, though, Rick, of Heroes were just phenomenal. I mean, they they were just amazing. Yeah. Uh, a little slow at first, but once you really get into it, the characters are just a great, great series. But it, it, the last season oh, really got great. a little cheesy and bad at the end, and uh, the ratings were horrible. So, But yeah, Heroes is another series that they didn't really plan an exit strategy for, and unfortunately we were all, as fans, left in, in the balance with, you know, well, what happens to these characters? You know, you know, one way to fix it, of yeah. course, is to do like TV movies in in five years or something like that, or a few years. But chances are that they're going to get this cast back together in five years to do a TV movie of you know of heroes, slim and none. Slim, yeah, pretty much, and none. But I got to say, there. I mean, heroes as one example, but uh, heroes, sliders, they had at least members of the casts were excellent and i'm talking as actors or even the crews yes. I mean, some of the cinematography was pretty good um oh, yeah. better than yep. usual tv fair cinematography so it's it's like you know uh, uh, there's a lot there but you know where was the sponsorship well they don't care the sponsors don't care it's not selling my product goodbye you know what's crazy about Sliders, so, though, Rick? And we don't have a lot of time here, but you know what's crazy about Sliders? Sliders was the top-rated show on the Sci-Fi Network when they canceled it. Yeah. How do you figure that? How do you cancel the, the number one-rated show on your network? And it's in its fifth season yeah, with a, a, a cliffhanger like like the way they left it. I mean, that had a hell of a cliffhanger, Sliders. Yeah, well, I, I don't get they it. had eyes on a TV movie, and John Reese davis said, <laughs> Really? You don't have much money. <laughs> and they don't. Pretty much. <laughs> they don't, yeah. Well, you know what? His character did get killed off in uh, season three, so he wasn't really needed uh, for a TV yeah, movie. They wanted to fix it. But, uh, man, his character Killed was off, but with a... they Even though his character was killed off, he was killed off in a way that he could have been brought back. You know? Yes, he could have. They had... Great writers. They had great writers. Just like Fringe. Yep. And just like Fringe, they were on the Fox Network, and uh, it was a short-lived show yeah. on Fox Network. 
I mean, Sliders lasted three seasons before it moved to Sci-Fi, and it was, a, a, I mean, it was the number one show on the Sci-Fi Network. It, when they debuted the first episode on, on Sci-Fi Network, it got the biggest ratings that network had ever seen. And it was consistent every week. The ratings were through the roof. Uh, you know, of course, the, the fifth season, even though they were still the number one network, the ratings had dropped. Even though it was still the number one show on the network, they had dropped a little bit. But, of course, you had to replace Jerry O'Connell from the cast, who was the lead star of the show. Charlie O'Connell, his brother, who had just joined the cast the year before you replaced him, uh, or just got rid of him altogether. You know, it didn't have the same feel as as the show had the first four seasons. So it was understandable, but it was still the top-rated show on the network, which I don't know how you do that. I just, I, I don't get the, the ideology about, yeah, here's the show everybody seems to love. Let's get rid of it. And, by the yeah. way, let's leave a well, cliffhanger. Has, I, I don't get that. Yeah, it's sci-fi the, has a, a definite history of that, yeah. And it's kind of like uh, a lot of the Stargate spinoffs, uh, including Stargate Universe. It's like, what happened to great TV drama? Okay, maybe not great TV drama, but great special effects. Well, okay, decent special effects. Nevertheless, <laughs> it had an audience. No matter how you want to look at it, no matter how you want to pick yep. it apart, it had a great following. And it's like, goodbye. <laughs> and Slider still does have a great audience. Uh, if, if you look online, yeah. you'll see a lot of websites dedicated to Sliders. The DVDs sell phenomenally well. I mean, they've, the, they've put the first four seasons on DVD, and I, I mean, I own them, and I, I see how, you know, I've seen online talk about how much they, they sell, and, uh, you know, the fan base is there. I mean, this is one series that if they ever really wanted to bring back a series that deserves to be to have some life breathed back into it, Sliders is that series. I mean, there is a lot of material there to work with still, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you can get Jerry O'Connell back. I mean, is, what is he doing these days? Uh, spoofing Charlie Sheen? You know, you can get him back, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Not hard to do at this point to get him back. And uh, same for the rest of the cast, except for John, you know, Reese Davis. I think at this point he probably is well past that, uh, which sucks because I would love to see Professor Arturo come back. Yeah, but uh, guys, we're all out of time here on Skywatchers Radio, which sucks because we're talking about a show that I really love in Sliders, so uh, I guess we'll just have to pick that up next time. But thanks for uh, everybody who's out here listening to us tonight. Really appreciate uh, having you guys listening in. Of course, would have been better if you would have called in, you silly bastards. But hey, uh, that's why you know we're going to be here next go. weekend. Hopefully you do call in, you silly bastards. Call in and express Rick, an it, opinion. Yes, please express an opinion. Hey, give us a thought. Give us the story of the day. Tell us something. Just call in and say, you suck. I don't care, but just call in. Please call in. Ooh. Oh, man. Por favor. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a, that, speaking of which, uh, <laughs> uh that, that that was actually good for a couple of reasons. Be careful what you wish for, and I'm looking for it right now. And damn it, I'm not finding it in time. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Goodbye, everybody. Me by oh the same old grease refried. I ain't with no PC vibe. Application said he's denied, but I'm losing confidence. Tell me who's incompetent. 
got a new intoxicant Can't tell when I'm losing oxygen Get a blue approximate Hooked up with my dude from Toppinish No screwing, chopping it Just first review my documents And get it back when it's safe from the action Little smack in the face for distraction Make a passionate case for the captain Cause I'm an accident waiting to happen Careful what you wish for You just might get it Get it By the way, everybody, tomorrow we'll be back on on Out of Sight Radio. Be here for that, 11 o'clock, Out of Sight Radio with me, the Jackal, and Mike Out of Sight Singleton. We'll be live tomorrow, 11, so be here on PSN-Radio. You sh- Project. Wish for most sex with human sheep pets. Wish I'd have had all the chicks and knew all the tricks plus a longer dick. Wish I'd have had all the big guns. Wish I'd have been Mr. Platinum. Wish I'd have stacked all my cheese and I'm a poster boy for this greed. At ease with maximum fees. Never leaves the customer pleased. Keep pushing for gaps between me and you and now my walls breathe. I wish for more and more things. The Achilles heel of most kings. Wish to stop the war mission. Now they wish I'd stop wishing. Better be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. You got that right. Get it. Uh, yeah. Take a drag of this draw until you're lightheaded. Uh, headed. Uh-huh. Careful what you wish for. You just might get it. Get it. Break it down now.